1: I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. Thanks so much for joining me today. I'm really eager to talk with you today about the five concerns that I hear most often from women who are pumping. I'm looking forward to talking about this because I find that there's a a number of situations where women might be pumping. They might be pumping by choice. And it's a planned pumping thing. That is, for example, they're going back to work. That's certainly the one that I can think of that occurs the most frequently. But it could be something else. It could be that it's mothers who have a baby who is, for one, whatever reason, unavailable or unable to suckle. And so they've gone to the pump in order to maintain their supply. That might be a baby who is very premature, or it could be a baby who is several months old but has had to be readmitted to the hospital for some reason, perhaps some corrective surgery or something. So there's any number of circumstances that you might find yourself in. What I've tried to do here is to break this down into the five common concerns, but I would like you to listen to it with an ear of understanding that you might be in a slightly different situation than somebody else. It also, to some extent, matters on, do you have a baby? Are we talking like the first couple of days? Or are we talking a baby who is 15 months old? So remember that not everything I'm going to say will apply to you, but I think I've taken a pretty broad brush here in preparing what I consider to be the five concerns that I have heard most frequently. The first concern is the perception, and let me reemphasize the word perception, that you're not making enough milk, and that's different than actually not making enough milk. That could be another whole show. There are some similarities, but most of the time what I find is that women just think that they're not making enough milk. The second one is not time enough to pump. The third one, sore nipples as related to pumping. And I'm sure you know that you can have sore nipples even if you're not pumping at all. And that is definitely, that's like three or four shows. There's a whole lot to say on that. But here I'll confine my comments just to the pumping. Number four, I've put out as cleanliness of the pump as a concern. And I'm going to approach that And maybe not exactly the way you were thinking, so stay tuned on that one. And finally, concerns about weaning from the pump. So that's what I have today. Let me start with the first one then, which is the perception of not having enough milk. If you think you don't have enough milk, I would urge you to look at actually two things. One is, yes, the volume of milk that you have and you, the reason that you know how much you have it is because you can see it in the bottle, okay? So I would just sort of call that volume. But the other thing is, remember, it's not just about how much you produce. It is also sometimes about how you are letting down the milk ejection reflex. So those two things are physiologically separate events. Making milk is one thing, letting it down is another. But they absolutely are related to how much milk you're going to see in the bottle. Okay? So let me start with that production or volume thing. What the the amount of volume that you see, the amount of volume of the milk that you will see in the bottle is related to 10 things. I really lucked out with this. I I usually don't get things to wrap into tens, but this one did. The first one is pump dependency. Are you pumping and nursing? That is, do you have a baby actually suckling at the breast who's suckling effectively? So you're just pumping some of the time. Or are you pump dependent? That makes a huge difference in the volume of milk that you will see. If you have a baby who is not nursing and you are what I would call pump dependent, the only thing that's giving stimulation is the pump. Do not expect yourself to have as much milk as the woman who is pumping and nursing or as much milk as the woman who is nursing only. The very best person, entity, mechanism, whatever, for getting milk out of the breast is the baby. Nothing is going to give you as good of a stimulation as the baby. And it, unless the, the breast is fully emptied, you won't be able to fully refill. So those of you who have listened to my show before, you've heard me say a million times, remove to refill. Okay, the second one is time factors. Was your baby born preterm? Where are you in the postpartum course? Are you one day or one week or one month postpartum? And was your baby maybe born at term or maybe at preterm? The amount of milk that you make on day three is going to be very different than the amount of milk that you make on day five. And the amount of milk that you have at five days is going to be very different from the amount that you have at five months. So in the first few days, every day makes a difference, a a substantial difference. After you get to, you know, I usually say lactation is not fully established until after about three to four weeks. So I usually say after the first month, then your supply from day to day will be more consistent depending on your factors the other factors sure uh, but in general you'll see less of a difference so really look at where you are in the timeline deal number three milk composition now in order to fully explain this I would need to explain much, much more about the biochemistry of human milk. And I suspect that's really a whole lot more than what you care to hear today. I think what you really want to know is how does this matter? And you probably don't want a whole lot on uh, the amount of lactose and osmolality and all of that stuff. So let me tell you something that I think most mothers would understand easily, and that is the calorie count. Remember that some mothers will have more calories per ounce than others. And as a general rule, if you have more calories per ounce, you'll have fewer ounces or vice versa. So remember that the visualization of volume is not the whole story. Anyone who has worked in a milk bank will tell you that even though we usually say that human milk is 20 calories an ounce, that's just an average. There are mothers who have less and there are mothers who have substantially more. Uh, I can think of some situations where there have been reports of 27 or 28 calories per ounce. So look at the whole picture. Next one, pumping interval. This is probably one of the biggest factors and it's It's hard to separate out issues of interval versus frequency. But basically, the more times that you pump in a day, the more frequent that you are, the less space you have between your pumping sessions. In general, the more volume you will have. Number five, double pumping. Now, as a nurse, I can tell you we all use this term, and we've used it for years, as double pumping. You've really only got one pump. And there are two accessory kits, one for each breast. But in general, we call that double pumping. Okay, so if you are stimulating both breasts at the same time, it will increase your prolactin levels. Remember what prolactin is. Pro, meaning four, and lactin, meaning, uh, um, well, lact at least, meaning Milk, so for milk, when that hormone is substantially greater, and this was shown in a study, I believe, by McQueen and colleagues, I believe, in 1994. We've known this for quite some time, but it's one of those best-kept secrets that sometimes people just don't know that that double pumping really can increase your volume. Next one, labor and birth factors. Now, again, if your baby is 15 months old, you can kind of sit this one out because what I'm going to say doesn't really apply. But if you have had a baby in the fairly recent past, meaning in the past week or so, then absolutely those labor and birth factors really figure into how much volume of milk you'll have. For example, here's the biggest one I can think of. If you've had a cesarean section, this is huge. I gave one whole show one time on cesareans, so I don't want to repeat myself, but let me give you just the the long and short to it. Especially if you have not labored, what you will see is that you will have a smaller volume of milk for about the first six days or so than the woman who has had the experience uh, and the hormones associated with labor. By the seventh day, everybody kind of catches up with one another. So just be patient for a few more days. If you feel like you're not getting as much and you've had your cesarean, don't worry too much. I would also say, though, that what I just explained, that's when all the factors are all equal. But a lot of times what I've seen in the hospitals especially is that the baby who has been born by cesarean does not get to his mother as early and as often as the babies who were born vaginally. So keep that in mind. The other piece that goes with this, with the whole labor and birth factor, is skin-to-skin contact and early suckling. Ten years ago, I was not preaching this message as loud and as strong, but I am an absolute advocate of the idea that you've got to get that baby skin to skin and get early suckling, get suckling early and often as much as you can. That is absolutely going to affect the amount of volume of milk that you're going to see in the bottle, especially in that first week or so. Thereafter, not so much so. Alrighty, so I've gotten through the first six things. I will quickly recap that for you. It's whether or not you're pump dependent, time factors, the composition of your milk, especially with a focus on calories, pumping interval, which is sort of the same as pumping frequency, they go together, whether or not you have a double accessory kit and your labor and birth factors. When we come back, I'll be talking about the use of hand massage, the quality of your pump, the degree of milk removal, and some other factors. I'm Marie Biancuto. Thank you so much for joining me. We'll be right back after this break.
2: for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the
0: lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuzo or her guest on today's program, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm back. I'm Marie Biancuzo, and you're listening to Born to Be Breastfed. Thank you so much for joining me today. I know that you can't possibly see where I am, but I got to let you in on a little secret. I'm doing this as a pre-recording. I'm at my mother's house. It is in the teens or even the single digits. It's been snowing all day today, and it was snowing all day yesterday. As many of you probably know, I spent most of my early life, I mean, I'm still young, okay, all right, <laughs> but when I i, I was uh, Younger spent most of my life in Rochester or just outside of Rochester, New York. And so I'm here in the snow and the cold, and it's, it's, uh, Well, let's just say that it feels like home. I would also like to tell you, in case you're wondering about where my next courses will be, I will soon be in sunny Orlando, Florida. And thereafter, in February, I will be in sunny, breezy, balmy, lovely San Diego, one of my favorite destinations. So if you're a professional and you're thinking about taking a comprehensive course, just look us up uh, on the web. It's www.breastfeedingoutlook.com, and those courses, its those are the, excuse me, that's just one course, but it will be offered in multiple locations this spring, so just in case you're interested. Okay, then. I promised you that when we came back, I would talk about other things as related to how much milk you'll see in the bottle once you've pumped. One is whether or not you have used hand massage or hand expression. Now, this is extremely important, especially if you have a preterm baby. Hand expression a little bit beforehand is very helpful. Hand massage, sometimes as you just before you begin or even while you are pumping, is enormously helpful. There were two absolutely excellent studies published by Dr. Jane Morton, and what she showed was that the use of what she called hands-on pumping was extremely effective in increasing milk supply. So if you are having difficulties with getting a good supply, this is a really great strategy. And she demonstrates that in two very, I actually think it's just one short video on the web. You'll want to take a look at that as well. But it's very, very effective. I would also say that sometimes you can do a little bit better just by having a warm pack, just helping you to relax a little bit, getting a little blood flow to the area. That also is helpful. Here's another thing. The quality of the pump. In general... The, more, the better the quality of pump that you have, the more milk you will see in the bottle. And what do I mean by a better pump? I mean one that is cycling many times per minute. If you look at the ones that are, uh, for instance, sometimes people will tell me, oh, I had this little cheapy pump that I used at my you know, great aunt Sally's house. But when I'm at work, I have a big hospital grade pump. Okay. Okay. Well, that's because the big hospital-grade pumps have more cycles per minute. They generally will have at least 40 cycles per minute. And the little pumps, not so much so. They might have 30 or 20, or there might even be some that I'm not aware of that have even less than 20 per minute. So that's going to give you less volume. It doesn't really have to do with you. It has to do with the pump. So do not fear. Okay. Along with that is number nine, the degree of milk removal. So if you've got a really good pump, you will have better milk removal. In general, remove to refill. The more removal, the more complete a removal of milk that you have, the more refill that you will see. Now. Let me just tell you another thing that can happen is that sometimes your pump, even a good one, might not be working, all right? So make sure that your pump is working the way that it's supposed to, and if it's not, then no, you're not going to have as much milk as you had thought that you needed, but again, it's not you. As my good friend Linda says, don't blame yourself, blame the pump. There are some other factors that may make you like sort of think that you're not making enough milk, but it's actually not that. It's just kind of a skewed way of the information that you're taking in. Let me give you an example. Some women can store more milk in their breasts than others can. So if you're trying to compare yourself to your neighbor, that's not really a a fair comparison because she might have more storage capacity than you do. So don't put that trip on yourself. Here's another one. Maybe you say, now look, Marie, I was pumping and everything was just going hunky-dory. And then I went out and I, uh, I I pumped so that I could have some extra milk. But lo and behold, the baby took the extra milk. And so I actually don't have as much. Well, what might be happening is your baby might be having a growth spurt. So keep all of that in mind as well. All right, so those were things related to the actual production of the milk. But let me focus for just a moment on milk ejection, or more commonly known as milk letdown. It's really important to have milk letdown. Otherwise, you can't fully remove the milk that's in your breasts. When the milk is not fully removed, the breast can't be fully refilled. We've talked about that before. So what kind of like gets in the way? I would say the biggest reason for this is stress and you can look at stress in two different ways there's what I would call the stress that is can't let down to the pump I very often will have women tell me I can't let down to the pump now that could be a situation where you've been nursing a baby and now you've suddenly put on the pump well that is a stressor It might be that you've just gone back to work, you've got what you think is a private office, but you're not sure if it's private and so you don't know if somebody's going to interrupt you. That's a stressor. It could be just an experience using the pump. That's a stressor. Just like any skill, you got to practice. So if this is perhaps the first time that you've ever tried to pump or you're back at work or you're afraid somebody's going to open the door or invade your privacy or any of that kind of stuff, uh, you know, another one is noise. Noise sometimes will bother people as well. And I would consider those things more issues as related to the pump, not the body, okay? Then there's the stress that is not necessarily pump related. It could be that you've just had a cesarean section and your cesarean uh, incision is bothering you. It's painful. It could be that the neighbors are sandblasting next door. It could be because you just got word that your brother-in-law was diagnosed with some horrific disease. Any of those kinds of things can be related to stress and they don't have anything to do with the pump. Another one that's always possible is smoking. If you are smoking, you will not be able to get as good of a letdown. So you know right off the bat what I'm going to say about that. I'm going to say either cut down your smoking or stop smoking completely. It's not good for the baby. It's not good for you. In any event, if any of these things are related to the letdown as related to stress, The key is to discover what is your source of stress and either eliminate that source of stress or find ways to work through it. I also forgot to just tell you another little doodad that came to my mind, which is warming the flange of the pump. Now, research has shown that that actually improves your experience, so it doesn't do any harm. If you get a minute, just run it under some warm water. That is extremely helpful. Okay, then here's another one that I hear. Oh, Marie, I don't have enough time, or I can pump, but then if I pump, then I got to multitask and I don't know what to do. I don't know if I've really got time to do this. I, I usually will hear this more from women who are going back to work. Um A couple of things that come to my mind right off the bat is consider trying one of those hands-free pumping bras, or if you prefer, you can even take a sports bra and you can cut a hole in it, although I don't think that those are quite as good. But you might look at something that is a hands-free pumping bra. I'm thinking, for example, of something like the Simple Wishes hands-free pumping bra. Now, you can get that easily off from Amazon.com. Uh, you can also use something called the Pump and Pail, and there are two products that Pump and Pail has, and that is the Super Shields and the Original Strap. Now, some people like one, some people like the other. Let me try to explain. The Super Shields are angled. And they allow the mother to lean back while pumping. So you don't have to get a backache or you don't have to lean forward. And you do have a little bit more control of your body posture. And so therefore, you might be able to do a little bit more multitasking than usual. Uh, They fit kind of right inside of the flange, uh, your regular flange. But you can also... At least with some brands of pumps, you can put them right onto the connector and just skip your regular flange entirely. And some people say they feel better anyway because they are a different material. The other thing you can consider is the pump and pail strap. And that just kind of holds your uh, breast flanges in place. I'll give you the link for um, how those are demonstrated. I think you'll find that those are kind of cool. Or maybe you say, Marie, great for you, but not for me. That's okay too. Whatever. But really look at those things and also take a look at what's going on if you're away from home or whatever and you're coming back to uh paid employment, it, whatever your situation is, make sure you're ready for it. We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. Don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuzo with Born to be Breastfed. We'll be right back after this short break.
2: for a live or online course or inquire about training today please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894 evidence for your practice starts here visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894 What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com.
0: You're listening to Born to be Breastfed.
1: Welcome back, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto with Born to be Breastfed. And today we're talking about the five top concerns of women who are pumping. So I left off by saying maybe you're going back to work. Maybe you're going to your great Aunt Lucille's. Whatever it is, make sure that you don't waste your pumping time by doing stuff that you could have done before you sat down to pump. So, for example... Have all of your gear packed the night before. If you're going on a trip or you're going back to work or whatever, make sure you've got everything. And by the way, I would include some hand sanitizer as well. I am not a fan of hand sanitizer, but if you're really thinking that the time that you pump, you might not be near running water. It's better than nothing. Okay. Or you could use a baby wipe if you want to. Now, if you are returning to paid employment, please make sure you know how to assemble and disassemble and clean the pump parts. Like, learn how to do that long before you return to work so that you're not fumbling on the little time that you have to be able to pump. So, again, I mean, I'm slower than I'll get out at that kind of stuff. All right, if you ever saw me try to, change a cartridge in an ink printer. You'd wonder how I ever got through life. I'm very slow. But if I am doing it and I know how to do it and I'm doing it on a regular basis, I'm okay. Don't waste that time that you have to pump with fumbling. Now here's another little thing that you might not know. It's okay not to clean your accessory kit right away. And why do I say that? Well, because actually Human milk can stand at room temperature, even if it's a hot room, for at least three to four hours and even more under certain conditions. Research has clearly shown us that. So if you've got some milk on the accessory kit, please don't feel that that's the end of the world if you can just get back and wash it off a little bit later. The other thing you could do is if you really don't want to be bothered and you're feeling like you're pumping more than one time a day, you could have a second accessory kit with you that's all washed and ready to go. So that could help you a little bit with your timing as well. This is hugely important. If you can get to work early, pump before you start work, or at least get the pump set up ahead of time if you possibly can. Now, I realize in some situations you might not have that option. But if so, that's going to save you time when you actually sit down to pump. That begs the question well, Marie, how am I going to multitask? And oh, by the way, I'm really, I got to like eat on my lunch hour. Got it. Here's what I would suggest. Get all of those prep things in place as well as you can. And try not to use your time to heat up your lunch or to assemble your food. Generally, try to bring with you for lunch a simple sandwich or something that is just finger food and requires no preparation and you can eat with one hand and pump with the other. It might be something like a simple sandwich or it might be something that I eat for lunch very frequently. That is, uh, I will take hummus and just eat it with a pita bread. The hummus doesn't have to be refrigerated. I can kind of scoop it up with my pita bread. It's fairly low calorie. It's uh, good for you. tastes good. keeps well. Here's another thing is take an apple in the morning and core it and cut it into four pieces. Very low calorie, very high fiber, very good nutrition, and you only need one hand to do it. And you know the old saying, the apple a day keeps the doctor away. Apples are always good for you. Okay, then. Those are just some tips for how to use your pumping time as wisely as you possibly can. The next thing I want to address is pump cleanliness. I get this question all the time. Marie, don't you think that I can just use the pump that my neighbor lady, my sister, my whoever had? I know it's used. I know that you're not supposed to. I think it's just a ploy on the part of the pump pump companies in order to get me to buy new. No, that is not true. First of all, that directive, uh, well, it sort of comes from the pump companies because they tell it to you. But actually, by law, they are bound to not sell something as a uh, multi-user device unless it is approved as a multi-user device by here in the u.s the fda the food and drug administration so there is really a seriousness to not using a single user pump that is not supposed to be used by another person now if you listened to robin williams who spoke on my show a while ago She rents, I can't remember how many pumps. And one of the things that she always emphasizes is, (laughs) yeah, the pumps are supposed to be perfectly clean. But remember that the pump companies can't look at all of the factors that are in your life. I am very confident that, especially the good pump manufacturers, I am very confident that they make these things so they're as clean as they can be. But... Oh, your cat sat on top of your pump. Ooh, well, that's something the manufacturers probably didn't really account for. Do you see what I'm saying? And those people who do rent pumps do talk an awful lot about how they have found cat hair and carpet fiber and all sorts of junk that shouldn't be there. So please take this seriously. Uh, just a caution to remember to wash that pump accessory kit the first time that you take it out of the package. I'm going to move to another thing that I often hear, which is I'm pumping and I've got sore nipples. I think I narrow it down to... And remember now, you could have sore nipples because your baby is not latched on well or any other number of factors. But I tried to narrow it down to just a few, not all, but a few of the reasons that I think you might be looking at. First of all, maybe your flange is too big. If you see that the areola is getting caught in the tunnel of the flange, then probably your flange is too big and you need to have a smaller size. In general, I tell people that if you can see more than a quarter of an inch of the areola in the tunnel of your flange, then the flange is probably too big. The other thing is, do you have pain? If pain is present, it's the wrong size flange in many cases. You should not have pain while you're pumping. Okay. Maybe it's not that it's too big. Maybe your flange is too small. And this becomes evident when the nipple becomes white after pumping or red, or you might even see purple. You might also see that after you take the flange off, the nipple has a sort of angular shape. And the only thing I can equate it to is like when you buy a new tube of lipstick and you see that angular tip on it, if your nipple looks like that instead of round and full and normal, well, then your pump flange is probably too small, but it could be an abrasion. It could be a whole lot of stuff. Uh, The big thing I would say to you is, do you have pain? If you have pain, you need to make sure that you're in the right sized flange. You should not have pain while you're pumping. How about starting on the maximum speed? Don't. Start in the middle. And if that's too fast, slow it down. Even the slow setting on the good pumps is still very effective. So don't feel pressured to move like to too much because it can make your nipples sore. Along with that, watch the maximum suction. I, I was horrified one day when somebody came to me and and actually she was a nurse and told me that she told the mother to start on the maximum suction I said why on earth did you do that (laughs) Uh, you wouldn't do your cake that way would you you wouldn't start your mixer out on the high level so you shouldn't start your pump out that way either what you want to do is start it on low and work up gradually wait until you're ready Otherwise, your nipples are going to be sore. Now, when are you going to be ready? Well, I don't know. For some women, that is weeks. For some, it's months. Or it might be never. And that's okay. There is no real need to get to the maximum suction just because it's one of your possibilities. Okay? And your letdown reflex can get impaired if you're not comfortable. So slow it down. Okay? And turn down your suction and just Take it easy here. You can work up to these things. And finally, just to let you know, you might have sore nipples for something that's totally unrelated to pumping. Uh, Maybe your baby is not attached correctly if you're also nursing a baby, or maybe you have yeast or maybe any other number of things. So just watch it. What should you do to fix it? Well, first of all, identify the problem. If you know what the problem is, then you can reverse it. I would suggest that every single person who apply whoever pumps use a little bit of olive oil, just a little dab, just a little drop, right put it right on that kind of i 'm swirling around here with my finger uh, right in the place where it goes onto your nipple, just a teeny bit. Now, the other thing that you can, and did I say extra virgin olive oil? That's what I would use, and I might even consider going organic. It's not going to do you any harm, and for some women, it does a huge amount of good. It feels better. You've got a little bit better suction. It's great. Now, I am not a fan of using creams and ointments. I am not a fan of that, and I will absolutely promise you one thing. None of those creams or ointments are going to work if your real problem is not fixed. For example, if you're on maximum suction and you're not supposed to be on maximum suction, well then, the creams and ointments aren't going to fix the problem. So make sure that you are fixing the root of the problem. I probably only just covered the tip of the iceberg, but those are what I believe to be some really good reasons for why you might have sore nipples when we come back we're going to going to talk about the last of the five concerns and that is weaning from the pump i'm marie biancuto stay with me you're listening to the health and wellness channel on voice america we'll be back right after this short break
0: become our friend on facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash world talk radio
2: breastfeeding outlook owned and operated by marie biancuso is america's premier provider of breastfeeding education if you're a nurse lactation consultant dietitian, midwife physician doula or other professional breastfeeding outlook is your source for serps nursing contact hours and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try and she can help you too. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Save on your prescriptions with the RX Savings Plus drug discount card offered by Voice America. It is not insurance, and discounts are only available from participating pharmacies, but nine out of ten pharmacies participate nationwide. Start saving today. Print your free card online at voiceamerica.rxsavingsplus.com or text the word talk radio to 96362.
1: I'm Marie Biancuto with Born to be Breastfed. Today's show is about the top five concerns of women who pump. And just before we left, I was talking about pump-related reasons for sore nipples. And I went into more detail on the flange size, being too big or too small is one of those reasons, the fact that you should not start on maximum speed, you should not start on maximum suction, and it could be something totally unrelated to the pump entirely that I gave you a few really small strategies for how to fix that problem or at least reduce the problem. And I certainly mentioned olive oil as one of the things that you can do, which I think is extremely helpful. I'd like to talk then about the fifth reason or fifth concern that people frequently ask, and that is, oh, I've been on the pump and now I've got to wean from the pump. Now, that could be one of two very different situations. It could be the mother who has been pumping for her premature baby for a long time, and maybe now she's choosing not to do that for whatever reason. It could be that it's a mother who has gone back to work And she's got an older baby and yes, she's been pumping twice a day at work and that's worked out well for her and her baby has never had a sip of formula and she's thrilled with herself, but it could be something that is um, somewhere in between those two things. So before I give you any strategies on this, I want to give you two ground rules, Ground rule number one is never allow yourself to become so uncomfortable that you set yourself up for a plugged duct. When you're weaning from the pump, you're going to be probably having fewer pumpings or longer intervals or whatever, but never, never go past the point where you feel terribly uncomfortable. Don't go cold turkey. The second ground rule is remember, the less amount of milk that you remove, the less you will have to refill. So that's kind of the objective if you're trying to wean from the pump. The third ground rule is nurse the baby before you go to work and as soon as you return home from work if you're in the working situation. Now, remember that sometimes You remember Marie saying, oh, well, gee, I I shouldn't go past the point where I'm uncomfortable. Remember, you don't have to uh, remove all of the milk in your breasts, just enough to give you some relief. And that will reduce your supply because, again, you got to completely remove to completely refill. So then, there are basically three main strategies for how you're going to wean from the pump. I'll give you an overview of what those three things are, and then I'll talk about each one of them individually. First strategy, lengthen the interval between pumping sessions. Let's say that you're a working mother, and you've been pumping at 10 a.m. and at 1 p.m., And then you go home by 4 p.m. Let's take that scenario. Okay, what you're going to do with the 10 o'clock in the morning pumping is you're going to try to go today to 10.15. And then you're going to move your 2 p.m. pumping to 2.15. And tomorrow, you're going to go to 10.30 and 2.30. And then the next day, 10.45 and 245, etc. Now, what I've given you there is just a 15-minute interval. But for some people, that's not realistic. I understand that. But if you're trying to go really, really gradual, go there. The advantage to this strategy is that it is the least likely to result in a plugged duct. If you're prone to plugged ducts, you might want to seriously consider this strategy. A disadvantage, however, is that it can be tough to remember, and you've got to write it down. You got to think about it. You got to remember what you did yesterday, and it does take some thinking. So, it, or, or the fact of the matter is, maybe you work, maybe you work in a place like a labor and delivery suite where you don't know that in at, at 15 minutes past the hour you really can uh, do it. Which, by the way, I, I should also tell you, if you know that you are going to be having an interruption any situation with your pumping, you need to make sure that you can work around that efficiently. Okay, the second one is, the second strategy is decrease the duration of each pumping session, so that you are not completely emptying the breasts at each session. You're gonna take out less milk. Now, ideally what I would like you to do is to be very aware of how long it takes you to get to a point where you can see that the milk is not coming as much. And if you know that for you that's X number of minutes then take X minus three minutes. So that's a matter of decreasing the duration of each. The third strategy is what I call hopscotch on a day. You're going to mark one, possibly two days a week, the first week to eliminate one pumping session. So, if you're always pumping at say 11 o'clock in the morning, try to eliminate the 11 o'clock feeding, uh, excuse me, pumping. You might be setting that up on, well, I know Tuesday is always my really, really terrible day. So it would be really great if I didn't have to pump on Tuesdays at 11 o'clock. Now, that's a great idea. The only problem with that is just remember if you get overfull and overly uncomfortable, you're going to have to scoot out of that important meeting or whatever. So, that is a disadvantage. The biggest disadvantage is that you may find yourself with a plugged duct if you are not responding to that feeling of being overfull. Whatever you do, don't discard the milk. I'm always afraid that I'm going to forget to say that. So, please. Make sure that if you're pumping, you're saving. And I'll go into another show where I talk about collecting and storing milk because that is truly another show. That's all the show I have for today. We've talked about those five big concerns that women who are pumping have. I'll be happy to take your questions. Please send your questions to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. I'll repeat that. Send your questions to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. I can't answer your questions if I I don't know what they are, so please let me know. If you are a professional and you're wondering how to renew your IBCLC certification, remember that I have two really great programs available for you. you. If you're renewing by SERPs, You can come to a live course or you can get my 75 SERP renewal package. It's all online. You can do it in the comfort of your own home or your own office. Or if you're renewing by exam, I got you covered there too. Why? I'm going to be teaching my lactation exam review course live in several different cities this spring. So, I, I've taught it every year for I don't know how many years. I think it's like 12 years or something. I will be happy to see you live. But if you say, look at Marie, I've already got four little kids of my own. There's no way I can join you live. Then I would say, go to my website. It's www.breastfeedingoutlook.com and get our Tough Topics. That is an all online program that will give you a very good review, prep you for the IBLCE exam, It's done all online, and I think it will serve you extremely well. That was www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. And for those of you who are mothers and have questions, or even for those of you who are professionals and have questions, please feel free to email me at radio. That's all the time we have for today. I'd like to invite all of you to come back next week. I'm Marie Biancuso, and I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths, clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week.
0: Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.